They're just promoting false teachers, uh, heretical views, dangerous views in opposition to Christianity without a, a response to them. All things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta give doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at All Things Theology. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology where I'm your host K-Dub. And today's episode is about the downfall of Jude 3 Project, yes, and Apologetic Ministries. Well, we will review a particular episode of theirs and just talk about their ministry in whole. But before we get to that, there's some things I want you to know about the ministry. Maybe you didn't know about, you just watching the channel. Maybe you didn't know about. Well, we have a Facebook page for All Things Theology. You should go over there and check it out at backslash All Things Theology. Um, follow me on social media on Twitter, twitter.com slash K-D-U-B-T-R-U, that's K-Dub True. Um, if you want to email me, it's kdubtrue at gmail.com. Lots of things to check out. So I hope that you will take opportunity. Um, you know, if you're not subscribed, definitely do so. Matter of fact, like this video, subscribe to the channel. If you always you have any questions, leave a comment in the comment section. I want to talk about Jude 3 Project, but I want to first ask a hypothetical question. What if I brought a Mormon on this channel? And allow them to just spew their doctrine. Unchecked, unbridled, and just free. In the name of listening to those of a different opinions. What would you guys think of me? Feel free to let me know in the comments uh, or in the chat. You, a lot of you guys would probably say, hey. You just free-flowingly, you know, let this guy spew his heresy. You don't give the people the defense for their faith. Yeah, and you'd be right. That would be kind of strange. Well, Jude 3 Project, let, matter of fact, let me let me read Jude 3. What does Jude 3 says? And I'm talking about the Bible verse, not necessarily the ministry, but they named themselves Jude 3. So let's let's read it. It says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appeal appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time handed down to the saints. So Jude is talking about contending earnestly for the faith, not just listening to people for, you know, well, we just want to understand you better, though that should be done. But it's more than just, OK, once you understand and it's not giving them a platform to spew their heretical views as well. But Jude 3 has been known for that, uh, promoting people who um who hold to conscious movement, black conscious movements like Kemet, as we'll see here in a second, promoting Hebrew Israelites, as we saw previously, uh, promoting people who do not even believe in the nearness of scripture. Check that out for their com courageous conversations. People who don't even believe Jesus is the only way. As I've reviewed in the past, you can check that material out. And so there's been many um, promotion of people without you know, contending earnestly for the faith. You know, it's one thing to have a conversation with an unbeliever. But I think, you know, when you come to that level of platform, you should be giving people uh, a tool, a, a resource of how to answer those things, those objections, not just listening to them heresy, you know, because if I invite someone of a different religion or different faith, I'm going to not just, like, it's not just going to be allowing them to spew their doctrine, but I'm going to rebuttal back, show people how to answer those things. 
So I know you guys want to get into it. Let's get into it. Um, they recently had someone who holds to the Kemet uh, movement, the black conscious movement. Um, and so we'll get into some of the things she says, uh, but Jude 3 is, you know, unashamedly promoting, uh, allow, or maybe they won't even use the word promotion, um, allowing this person to spew all their doctrines. You know, attack Christianity in some senses. We'll see see that as well. And so let's get into it. Uh, the person who's going to be on is a battle rapper. So they've actually had two episodes of this new series they're dropping about listening to people's uh, different, you know, why they <laughs> maybe not um, Christians or, you know, have a different view or something. Um, and so her name is she's a battle rapper. Her name is Sistar. Cool name, by the way. But uh, yeah, let's hear her. Let's hear her out. Let me uh, go to it. And so we're, we're going to talk about kind of your spiritual journey um, today. Um, you identify more as spiritual than religious. When you, when you think about being spiritual, what does that mean to you? What I learned about um, spirituality and taking my path with that, which is why I even um, ended up in an African spiritual system, we're taught more to, you know how with the Bible, you, it's, it's different stories, you know, when you look at those parables to learn from those stories where we're taught how to make our own parables. That's the, <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of one projecting her kind of experience into the Bible, as we kind of just saw there, like reducing the Bible as kind of these stories and parables, but two, that was kind of very troubling, you know, cause Christians don't believe like we make up our own parables. I mean, we believe that's inspired by God, uh, revealed himself. Um, yeah, wrote through the hands of man, but inspired by God. But she's kind of like, well, we make up our own parables. I mean, I wonder if she meant that in the individualist, individualistic sense, which I, I think she does. We'll see that here in a second. Why I believe that, which would bring to all sorts of <laughs> um, confusion and contradictions. And some of the things she even says later, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that difference with spirituality and religion. You're not within certain margins, but you are within certain principles. And you learn to operate as your godly self. And, to and so there's the kind of like the obvious uh, heresy of the day, right? Thinking, you know, because Kim is, yeah, they do believe like we're gods. And well, gods or returning to that God status, um, kind of similar to Mormonism. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, the because I think I listened to something recently with, with vocab and Jabari. And one of these issues came up where Jabari was talking about that is like the ultimate, like that's salvation, understanding your God and kind of working back to that reality, you know, trying to reach Godhood status, so, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not a God. <laughs> Get things as messages as you walk down the street and you receive and you self-evaluate and you learn to move as nature does. And you learn the principles of nature because nature flows as a representation of the physical source. Like God is nature. And so <laughs> clear pantheism right there. Um, God is not nature. Nature obeys God. I mean, when God, I mean, this is really, uh, um, I think Jay Grisham Masham talks about this as well. When he gets on the subject of miracles, uh, nature has to obey God. And it's the 
when God intervenes and, you know, does a miraculous act in nature, not speaking of like regeneration or something or salvation or something like that, but specifically nature, nature obeys. And so, but she's, God is nature. I mean, that's very pantheistic. Um, and so, yeah, that, that would bring up all sorts of confusions, you know, um, like separating God from nature, like everything is God. So that's, that, that, that'd be very strange. And that's some, something that's going to come up in a second. So I'll wait till she says it. In Kemet, they call God, um, well, what you would consider to be God, um, Uta. Well, no, not, not, no, we don't have the same God. So <laughs> very clear. Our, our God is not a pantheist. Our God is not one of the many gods. We have very different views of God, so they're not the same. So, and then later it was called Netter, which was where the word nature came from, which is it just means all things, and that is the life force energy that lives in all things. So to be spiritual, we learn how to operate as spirit does, how to operate how life force energy does, and to respect that divine order and that divine process of things, and just for like a basic example like nature minds its business you know <laughs> it doesn't it's not hostile and doesn't attack anything unless it's, it has to survive or it is attacked i mean sometimes hurricanes happens and <laughs> tornadoes and are you saying that was like nature kind of defending so that's, that's so that's kind of strange just even in itself um that, yeah that that's just kind of weird i mean so i obviously don't think i don't I don't think she eats meat, given that view. <laughs> so this is kind of contrary to, you know, the Christian worldview where nature, that which is in nature is is for man, obviously not to abuse. And I'm, I'm not talking about just going out and starting forest fires and for your own amusement. I think I believe we should um, take care of the land that we are on, but not in this tree hugging kind of um, nature, <laughs> kind of hippie kind of vibe I'm kind of getting here. Of nature, uh, no. Move as nature does, and that's moving as your godly self. You know, so that's just basic stuff like that. Spirituality. Have you always uh, been more spiritual than religious, or what? How did I you was grow up? born as a Christian. Okay. Um, no one is born as a Christian. People may be born into a Christian family, but you, no one is born a Christian. Kind of shows kind of like her view of conversion as a Christian. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian because my parents are. I'm a Christian because I go to church. Very interesting. Core Christian. My whole family worked in a church. The first church I I was in, shout out to Grant AME Long Beach. And my my grandparents went to that church. My parents went to that church. I was in the... um, I was in the, the choir, singing my little heart out. I was an usher. I, when we moved to Carson, and I was um, I was a stewardess, so I was very active in the church, and that that was my that's what I knew. Um, that changed over the years because um, of the questions that I had, and questions. It was actually various reasons. First, it first started with the questions I had. That couldn't be answered, you know, and it was the basic stuff. Yeah, her questions were are not very in-depth, and, and, and I'm sure she didn't reveal all the questions that she has, but 
even the stuff she brought up here was just kind of like, that's what got you to leave the Christian faith, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's very peculiar. You know, why does it, why do these pictures look like this? But it's, but the Messiah is, is described like this in the Bible. Like where? Um, let me say this because you have a lot of this in conscious movements and you have a lot of this kind of returning to, let me, let me just be blunt and say it. Just a lot of woke Christians where one, the emphasis is very on skin color, but two, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about Jesus pigmentation? I know people like to go to, I believe it's uh, Revelation 1. But again, that passage is speaking about it's apocalyptic. It's, it's imagery, not actual um, ethnic undertones. Because if you actually look at that passage, I mean, you would have Jesus with a white face, but the rest of his body is brown, uh, red, literal red eyes, a literal sword coming out of his mouth. So that passage isn't meant to be taken literal, as many people like this do. Um, and so, yeah, nowhere does it talk about Jesus' uh, skin color. I mean, it does say, you know, he was nothing to look upon. Like, I mean, the, you know, Pantene models that people try to make Jesus look like. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't do that. I mean, a lot of this would go away if we started really obeying the commandments of God, just not to make make these idols and these images. I mean, I don't care what Jesus looked like. Don't don't draw pictures of them. Don't make these images, you know. And so, yeah, the people who are doing that, stop. Either either side. His hair with wool. Where's that olive skin? I don't see that in these pictures. Like, why are you? Uh, again, <laughs> it says. Notice she actually misreads the text. It doesn't say he had hair like wool. It says his hair was white like wool. Notice now, if I said, "Hey, your skin color is," you know, or or man. You look like you're as black as this microphone. Now, am I talking about the texture of the microphone or the color? Color. So Jesus comes back with even that is uh, apocalyptic. So I don't even think that's being literal, but it's, it's talking about his purity. But anyways, um, it's not comparing the texture of the hair, rather the color. So she misquotes it and gets the interpretation wrong because of it. What is this? You know, and then his name. Like, that was a big thing because the letter J didn't even exist yet when Jesus supposedly was living. Well, of course not, because <laughs> they weren't speaking English. So. I hope you would understand that Jesus in the English is a translation of Greek or, you know, you want to go Hebrew. Um, it's a translation. But there's all sorts of languages that weren't being speak, spoken in that day. Um, Spanish wasn't being spoken in Jesus' day. Would you object to Jesus? So it's, it's very strange. So. so I'm asking these questions and I'm not getting answers. I'm not getting appropriate answers. And then doing... I'm very weary of people who... Who, you know, when they the first time they don't get an answer, they just like abandon the whole faith or they just start like doubting, doubting, you know, um, did you did you go to other people outside of your church? Um, you know, you have the Internet, you know, books. Did you really investigate? But but watch the end. Watch kind of the next objection. 
research on my own, I was giving, I was finding negative um, information, which maybe it wouldn't have been the, the, the highlight of my information if people can answer these questions. Mm -hmm. Because I'm looking for Jesus' name in the first documented in history of, of Jesus' name, the word, the name Jesus was a slave ship. Uh, this isn't true. This is not true. Let me show you something, guys. This is why uh, it's important to do your research. So she's right about a slave ship being named Jesus, but it was Jesus of Lebec. So it wasn't just Jesus. Um, around 1540, right? Can, hope you guys can see that. Around 1540, um, this ship, you know, was traveling around, you know, bought slaves, all sorts of things like that. Uh, 1563, some other voyages, journeys, and actually ended up being, um, see, I hate when my screen does that. Uh, how did I do that? Uh, I... Here we go. So yeah, actually later on it actually becomes um destroyed by other uh there we go. Other uh by Spanish forces, sorry, in a battle. So it was actually destroyed by fifteen sixty eight, I believe. But she says, Hey, this was the first time the word Jesus or the letter J was mentioned. Let me show you how that's in error. See this, 1368, a Wycliffe New Testament was um, translated. The very verse translating to the scriptures in the English, English language was done in 1380s by John Wycliffe. Um, so very interesting. We have, so, so hold on, just, just one second. Think about this logically. We have a English translation done in the 1380s, 1378, by... John Wycliffe. I mean, his name starts with a J. That's kind of an ironic thing about all that. But, you know, um, here, here, let me, let me go to this. I'm going to go to a 1700s translation of that very 1378 uh, Wycliffe New Translation. It's, it's the exact same. It's a reproduction of the, um, you know, translation. And so, here we know. Here, you know, got, you know, this is John chapter one, you know. And so let me say this, because this might could be come up. Um, the, uh, the spelling is obviously different as far as like words we may know, because the, the English English language has evolved as far as like spelling. But here here is a. Um, I wish I could highlight that, but. If you can see that, let me see if I can zoom in here. Um, it's Jesus Christ, but clearly that's a reference to Jesus right here, John 1. And so they, they spell things differently. I'm not, I'm, you know, definitely not, you know, <laughs> objecting to, you know, spelling, but she said we didn't have a mention of Jesus in the English language until... 1540 to a slave ship. I mean, that's just not true. Just, I mean, it's historically not true. 
Um, so yeah. That's still in a, a museum in Lebec. And it's like, okay, how do I find this person? How do I get closer to this that I've been given since the beginning of time? It's not found in the English, like, it's like I said, it's so troubling because it's so, like, the argumentation is not very in-depth. Um, I've, okay, besides crazy King James only is, <laughs> there's no one who thinks, like, Jesus, literal English, um, was his original name. And so, I mean, from the Greek, it would be Iusis. Uh, part of my pronunciation for all my Greek fans out there, it's probably not. I need to get back in my Greek studies. But nevertheless, yeah, no one is objecting to that. But I hope she would, you know, if, if this was the most troubling thing, hey, we got her back, right? She's back in the Christian faith, right? <laughs> yeah, of course not. But I hope she would reach out to say, hey, wow, there's people who have actual answers for these things. That, I mean, maybe, maybe that'll be done. So if you guys know her, hit her up. Maybe she'll want to have a dialogue. Oh. So they're not answering these questions. How did they respond when you asked the questions? Kind of turn the question into something else. You know, take it to another direction. Even when I'm asking, um, we even talked about it in the battle. Well, I talked about it in the battle with Strehams. Um, Genesis 126. Um, we, like he said, let us make God, make man in our image. So I wanted to know who is us, mm-hmm. who is our, like, is it more mm-hmm. like it's, that's specific, uh-huh. you know, and I'm not being taught that mm-hmm. while at the same time, I'm being taught to look at African spiritual systems as evil. Mm-hmm. I'm being- let me actually address that uh, argument about let us have it pulled up here uh, because what she thinks this means is let us make kind of gods into other gods. And this is actually a, a early reference to the Trinity. Um, it's my position, obviously, and there are other scholars and theologians who, who would agree with that. But, you know, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have, that is, man, um, have dominion over the fish of the God, uh, sorry, of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and the creeping things that creeps on the earth. So here, as we can see here, Genesis 126, the word for man is Adam. It's a generic term for Adam, uh, which is the proper name for Adam himself. And so it is literally like, let us make man in our image. Mankind, that's male, female, are made in the image of God. Um, That means they reflect his character. Um, Obviously, that's been marred by sin, but not it is not destroyed or lost. I mean, it would be very confusing to interpret this verse as then God said, let us make man, let, let us make man who's, I guess, God into our image as God. It's I mean, that that doesn't make sense interpretively or grammatically. So but that's kind of like what she believes. And, but she notice how she projects her, her um, chemitism, <laughs> comedic into the own scriptures itself. But I mean, I'm, I'm sad that no one can answer that for you because that's not, that's not very a stumbling passage. Um, 
yeah. So I, I don't know why that would even be tough. Being taught that having multiple, that multiple gods or entities is evil and should be looked at as um, false gods and false prophets. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. So if you were committed to the scripture, so so let's presuppositionally answer this. If you were committed to the scriptures, you know, you say you were very serious about church. He's like, man, I really don't understand this Genesis 126 verse. But I do know. So I do know the Bible says there is only one God and that the gods of the nations are idols. I, you know, I, I do know that. So maybe I should take time to study Genesis, Genesis 126 and and look into this because I'm, I'm committed to the Bible. Right. And so. <laughs> so you see, the accurate issue is a, a non-commitment to scripture when some of these presuppositions and questions starts coming out. But I'm looking at the Bible and I'm saying there's an us and an hour here, though. What does that mean? But because God is not a Unitarian. God is not a Unitarian. Um, you, you're so so notice in the in the in the question and the argumentation, it's assuming um, Unitarian monotheism rather than Trinitarian monotheism. Yeah, we believe that God is one. Being shared by three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. So that would be the us. So rather than, because you know what? I'm just thinking about this now. A stranger, her interpretation doesn't make any sense because how does a plurality of gods, literally thousands, millions, infinite number of gods, I don't know what she holds to, make people in their image as if they're kind of shared? That makes no sense. I wonder if she's thought about that. Even growing up, I still thought that African spirituality was evil. Like I, I, I had no understanding of it or interest in it at all. What happened was um, I started to transition from the church because I had an experience one day. That's how it always starts, doesn't it? <laughs> Some kind of experience happens to where um, people leave the faith. You know what? Joseph Smith had an experience. He saw angels. You know, um, matter of fact, he, he, he saw Jesus himself, he claims. <laughs> it's always an experience. I was, um, you know, you do the altar call and uh, I was going through some things and it was week to week. I was going up there and I was crying and I was praying. And the preacher said, if you come up here every week and you're still crying, you're not doing what you're supposed to do in the rest of the week. Right. And I'm like, no, he didn't. No, he did not just judge me like that without asking me what I'm going through. Like, I... I mean, I, for one, think we should get a, get rid of the weekly altar calls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the preacher kind of does have some kind of point because it's usually the same people going up there. You got saved last week. Guess what? You're getting saved again. Save, save. You don't got saved every Sunday of the month. <laughs> so I think he's kind of pointing to... Some kind of truth in that, but the issue is he keeps doing the altar calls himself. So, yeah, I mean, I would have issue with altar calls. I mean, I was, you don't know what I was going through at that time, you know? And it's like, I need to be a part of something where I, I don't feel judged, but that I can develop and I can grow and we can move as a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And I was told, I didn't even know that I was an African prophet. Like, that's something that just, I guess passed on through black people. We say that. <laughs> and sometimes you don't know where you get stuff from. So when I first left the church, I was, you know, trying to find myself and trying to 
figure out how I can still be close to what I knew God to be um, outside of going every Sunday. Just Because I was a girl in high school. I used to have my Bible in my backpack. Oh, wow. Even though I wasn't like what you consider like a good or goody two-shoes girl, but that was my foundation. You know me, how many people I knew like that? I was one of those guys. I mean, on game days for football, I'd have my, my plaque. I had my Philippians 4.13 taken out of context. <laughs> I could do all things through Christ. I quote that every game. People thought I was religious. People thought I was so religious in high school comparatively to them. They would call me preacher boy. But I didn't go to church. I didn't, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> there was nothing that really that said Christian about me besides I didn't get drunk. I wasn't smoking weed. So they, or, you know, I, I generally wouldn't use bad language. So people call me preacher boy. I didn't talk about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that strange? So, you know, I mean, people like that, I, I knew. Like I said, I was one of them. I was, I'll take Philippians 4.13 out of context all day. And even though I was in the midst of a lot of, a lot of things I'm not, maybe not so proud of now, but. I, I do want to share this with Sistar um, because, man, watching this, I was very sad for her. Not in a, like, pathetic type of way. So I hope she, if she ever hears this, I hope she, she doesn't see it like that. But she does have worth and value, you know, and I hope that she would come to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, that um, she sinned, though she's done terrible things, as, as so, so have I, that there is a God who can forgive her for her sins, but it's, it's on his terms. It's on the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not in, it's not found in Kemet with the plurality of gods. It's found in Jesus alone. So I, I, I do hope she would hear this and that, you know, she'd be interested in maybe discussing some of these issues or um, herself just reading the Bible, you know, and coming to believe it. It got me through. It got me through. And that's why even now I don't disrespect Christianity in a sense because I know it works. And I know truth still lives there, but I found something that worked better for me. If you believe... Christianity is a is a matter of pragmatism of what works, then sure, there's something better out there because Christianity is is greater than a, a pragmatic uh, religion. Because some people will say, "Hey, it is my desire to be just filthy rich at the expense of others." That may be, hey, so they say, "Hey, being a Christian isn't you know." <laughs> Uh, that that the Christianity is going to get in the way because there are certain guidelines I have to get, obtain my riches by, and they say, "Hey, and I definitely don't want to don't want to give uh, money to a church or or people at a church or you know to help others. I just want to be rich. I don't care." So yeah, if if that's your goal, you know, Christianity get in the way. I don't. I'm not saying that's her goal. I'm just saying if you're what work if if. You know, to get into the pragmatic view, um, I'm showing how Christianity can get in, get into the way of other people's goals and what works for them. But Christianity isn't about finding what works. It's about coming to Christ one for who he is. And so, yeah, if you have other goals than that, I could see how Christianity wouldn't be the best for you. Because that's not the goal of Christianity. But anyway, 
So um, in my first uh, part of my transition, I didn't really know what path I wanted to take as far as how do I continue this relationship. And I didn't even know what it meant to be spiritual. First, I, um, I went to massage school and they taught us about energy. They taught us about the body. And then when you take anatomy and physiology class, you know there is a creator. Like This is a beautiful, intricate design. How every Well, to be fair, I would wonder if she believes they're a creator or multiple creators because, you know, she's already given up that there's one God. So who who would she give uh, credit to creating this world? Or was it multiple people? So I'd be curious on her beliefs on that. It's connected, just like how nature is down to every molecule. It is perfectly integrated. Everything connects to everything. But a human body is the same way. I'm like, this is amazing. Right. But we learned, I learned about meditation and how that affects the brain. And I'm like, okay, Jesus used to meditate. So maybe I'm getting somewhere. No, he did not meditate like that. <laughs> it was no, um, all that going on. Meditation is pondering, thinking in depthly about things, not pagan meditation. Like, you know, like I'm doing something right. <laughs> We're getting somewhere. And I understood how that helped me operate as my best self. How that helped me be of clarity, of understanding, of just dealing with my insides and my understanding of myself. And how I can directly um, connect with source. Now, going through the next person or feeding, you need to feed me these lines or do this or that. This is my relationship. This is my understanding. And then, um, but I would still go visit sometimes, you know, with my family because my family was still involved in the church. So I would go um, support things that they did. And I still had people at the church that supported me because I was still a poet. I was still doing stuff in the community. And I had those relationships. The, the principles, the seven principles of Ma'at, they teach you truth, justice, um, propriety, harmony, balance, um, reciprocity, and order. The three that has always stood out to me and I think about on a regular basis and how I live my life is truth, um, reciprocity, and balance. And truth, the way um, they teach us truth is operating closest to source. Anything. Notice it's, it's closest to source because I would be interested if she... Can we actually get to the source? Can we know? Anything operating closest to source is operating closest to truth. And that's with anything. If you had your truth, right? Or you but notice that, your truth. Um, if truth is truth, it doesn't matter if I believe it or not. want to tell me something. And in that moment, your source. And no, because the truth does not arrive with her. Truth exists before me, or whether I believe it or not, um, it'll be here when I'm gone. It was, it was here before me. So as it as it begins to go from person to person to person to person, it goes farthest away from source. But if we're all connected in this, that's why I played that clip. And I didn't even respond to it because I knew this was going to come up. If we're all connected, how is it getting further away? See, I don't know if she's actually thought about some of these uh, contradictions or, or it's not getting further away from the source because that's that's the source, according to her. 
So it's farthest away from what? The truth. So it's no offense. And because <laughs> how does this actually help her position? Because if it's if we're getting farther away from the source in her position, and we're all connected, that would mean logically that she doesn't know the truth or the source as well either, right? Something to think about. Christianity, but in my process of making my decision and learning that, even that principle of truth in something going far from is truth. Um, I came across a study from the Center of Christian Global Studies. And in the United States alone, it was 200 um, versions of Christianity. And then 45,000 in the world. So I'm like, okay, 45,000, one. To be fair, um, a lot of those people put in um, heretical views of Christianity. Um, so that's that's one. Two, is she saying every Kemet, every conscious person holds to the same view? I, I can guarantee right now if I did an episode inviting uh, Kemet believers, Kemet people hold to Kemet, um, that there would literally be a, a quite a few. So I, I think she's kind of overzealous <laughs> in her position. Like, oh, there's only one version of Kemet, thankfully. In a common sense type of factor, and where I was at right there in my life, it was kind of made it an easy decision for me. Because it doesn't, it, to this day, I will never say that Christianity does not have truth and will not get somebody to where they need to be in life. But if I can get something at its purest state and it's helping me, and then I'm, I'm around people that are normalizing my spiritual experiences, this is for me. You see how inward it is like a religion becomes all about me. And so, yeah, I, I can see why Christianity would not be the religion for you, because it's a very outward as far as uh, the goal is. It's 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 Christ. You know, the, yes, there's inward reflection. And, and, and so. So, I mean, if you listen closely to what she's saying, she's saying Christianity is is not pure. It's not its the purest form. Like, yeah, there's some truth in it, but it ain't the real deal. You know, and so my goal, my, my hope is that she would come to know Christ and um, Jew three would really stop promoting um, a lot of these conversations because it, it actually does more harm than help because they're not actually giving people a response to these things. They're just promoting false teachers, uh, heretical views, dangerous views in opposition to Christianity without a, a response to them. And so that would be my goal. Hey, guys, I want to actually take this time right now to promote a shirt I'm wearing. You can't see it. You haven't been able to see through the episode. And that's why you guys need to watch all the episode because you never know. I might come out something like this. <laughs> Let me stand up real quick and promote this for my, for my guy, Rashad. The government is not God. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. If you would like this shirt, you could leave a comment and maybe I could connect you to. I'm trying to tell this guy to get a website, but he's kind of kind of hard headed. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Shout out to Rashad, man. But yeah, um, 
Hope you guys like this video, that you enjoy the content I'm putting out. If you have not subscribed to the channel, make sure you like this video. Hit the notification bell so you are aware when I'm dropping content because I want to do more premieres like this, but I also want to do more lives, do Q&As, things like that. And so you guys supporting it, um, you know, being involved in that matter actually helps and, you know, I need all the help I can get. So guys, grace and peace until the next time.